Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Terry Thorne delivers the message entitled, Star Power. So join us now from the sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab. Our first scripture lesson this morning is taken from the prophecy of Isaiah, the 60th chapter. This is found on page 602 in your pew Bibles if you'd like to read along. Listen to the word of our Lord. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. Your son shall come from far away and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading this morning is from Matthew's gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called to the wise men and learned from them the exact time at which the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Let us pray. God, as we enter and continue in this time of worship, we pray that you would silence any voices in our minds and in our heads but your own, that you would still the things in us that detract so that we would hear your transformative spirit at work 
and that would, you would then be changed to your glory. Amen. So I think it's safe to say that there are two kinds of people in worship today. Those whose Christmas lights are down, their ornaments are packed, and resolutions are well underway. And those diehards who are still hanging on to Christmas for as long as we can, or at least until Epiphany, which as the 12th day of Christmas was last Friday, February, uh, January 6th. Now, I suppose, too, that there's probably a third outlier group. That would be those of us who are thinking that all these red decorations on the tree would be very fitting for Valentine's Day. <laughs> Seriously, though, by now, most of the world has moved on. Christmas is over, and we are well into the new year. Yet liturgically, today is both Epiphany Sunday, the Sunday closest to January 6th, and Baptism of the Lord Sunday when we acknowledge Jesus' baptism. And so pastors every year have to decide, do we leap ahead into Jesus' ministry or do we keep him as an infant for one more week? Um, and since John let me choose, it's no secret what I've chosen for this year. And yes, my tree is still up, and yes, it might still be there in February. But the real reason that I want us to linger in this Christmas season for another week is that we haven't really heard from the wise men yet. And for Christians, their story is the epiphany story. Now, what exactly do we mean by epiphany? As a feeling, we use that word to describe that profound aha moment when something remarkable and new is discovered. In religious language, it has a very specific meaning. It is the manifestation of the divine. More specifically, Epiphany is the day we celebrate that the Christ child was not just another Jewish baby boy named Jesus, but is, in fact, the revelation of God to all the world. It is an intentional acknowledgement, a bowing down to the presence of the divine. So unfortunately, if we skip this story of the wise men, astrologers, sages, kings, whatever title you've learned to give them, or if we just merge it and smush it into the Christmas Eve narrative, silently placing these Eastern scholars at the manger with the shepherds and the angels, well, we're not only misrepresenting the story. We also miss the significance of their later arrival, their bowing down, and the connection to Isaiah's prophecy of hope for Jerusalem that John read to us today. So in other words, without this story... We miss the epiphany moment that began when the men noticed the star in the sky and followed it. Now, given the uncertainty about exactly where they were headed and the hostile environment into which they were traveling, after all, you might recall, King Herod was notoriously ruthless, willing to kill anyone that he felt was a threat to his authority, even his own family members. So one has to wonder, 
What made these men decide to come to Jerusalem in search of a newborn king? I mean, surely they were aware of the danger into which they were traveling, not to mention they had no set plans, no Google map, not even roads per se. Yet they saw a star and something in them nudged them to go. It seems now that they had some knowledge of the Hebrew Scriptures, at least the prophecy. They definitely knew more than Herod knew, but there were certainly unknowns and missing details and other uncertainties for them. Yet they saw the star, and something inside them nudged them to go. Keep in mind, too, they were non-Jews. They were not actually kings. Therefore, they're they had no real political or religious obligation to greet, much less worship, the newborn baby. Yet they saw the star, and something inside them nudged them to go. Something about that bright light in the sky exerted power over these travelers from the east. It had enough what I call star power to capture their attention, to draw them in, and to influence their decision-making about what to do with their time and their treasure. Now, usually when we hear the, the word or the term star power, we're talking about famous people, you know, actors and musicians and athletes whose presence has the ability to draw in and attract crowds and influence decisions. There's a reason that advertisers want their contracts and charities want their endorsements. Now the truth is, many things have star power in our lives. Any number of diverse things catch our attention and have the power to draw us in. Routinely, we chase bright, shiny things. Wisdom is knowing which ones are worthy of pursuit. Now, these wise men surely knew. In a universe of a bazillion stars, they understood that this one was unique and significant and cosmic. So like metal to a magnet, they felt drawn to follow it. Something inside them told them, go, follow. Friends, that same something is inside all of us. Now hear me again. That something that led the wise men to the Christ child to meet the divine is embedded in each and every one of us. There is, within all of humanity, an innate desire to be with God, to be with our Creator, to walk in light, not darkness, to be in the presence of perfect, unconditional love. Our souls long for it. And God's Spirit is always, in all ways, at work, beckoning us toward it. And for us to be one with God, to be in God's presence, 
is God's greatest desire for us as well. From Genesis to Revelation, the overarching story of our faith is this. God wants us to have his light in our darkness. God intends the world to know his justice and receive his mercy and experience his compassion. To me, it's the Christmas story in a sentence. God wants to be with us just as much as our soul wants to be with God. And to that end, and for that holy purpose, God's Spirit is continuously and relentlessly drawing us into our own encounters with Christ. We, however, often miss the proverbial star in the sky leading us there. We walk in a thick darkness that keeps us from seeing it. Perhaps it's a, dick, a, a, a thick darkness of fear. Fear of the uncharted. Fear of leaving our comfort zone and what we know. Fear of what might happen if we do. Maybe it's the thick darkness of ego and perceived power unwilling to follow that star because to do so means to surrender and to surrender might include giving up our power. Perhaps it's a thick darkness of preconceived notions and expectations. Unlike the bold and courageous wise men, we hesitate to embrace unique stars. In other words, we are reluctant to explore that which doesn't meet our expectations or doesn't make sense to us. And sadly, in our hesitation, we miss God's beckoning to our soul. Now, of course, there are some very familiar stars that we are eager to explore. Ways that we can and are drawn to and that we can surely expect to be closer to God through Christ when we do. Study of scriptures, our prayer life, and participation in worship are three such stars that immediately come to mind. We can and should anticipate meeting Christ in all of them. They are excellent, worthy pursuits. But these are not the only stars in the sky, if you will, that the Spirit uses to lead us to Christ. Remember, our God is relentless and radical. Relentless in loving us and radical in reaching us. God will continually create all types of unique and uncommon star powers in our life to bring us immediately and intimately closer to him. If we but have the courage and willingness to follow. If we will pay attention 
to that something within us urging us, go. Now, it's been my experience that often those stars, if you will, are other people. Now, not the stars that grasp the headlines and the mega money, but those average, unassuming people who come into our life through whom God works to reach us, to teach us something new, to help us see God's love for us, to show us and mercy and offer us compassion and, and allow us to experience what grace feels like. Often, these folks are completely unaware of the impact they have, but a simple encounter with them has the potential to become a transformative encounter with Christ for us. These stars of light, I like to call them that, are also some of the most unexpected people in our lives as well. They're the ones who challenge our thinking and beliefs. Those whose interpretations and experiences are different from our own. Those whose quiet listening speaks volumes of truth. In the same incredible way that the wise men found their way to Jesus, when we approach these unique and sometimes uncomfortable relationships with that same curiosity and humility and willingness of the wise men, including a willingness to be changed, to go home another way, more often than not, we will encounter the light of Christ in them, and discover it more fully in ourselves. Non-sacred text is another example of common path that leads us to Christ. As I shared during the children's sermon this morning, poems, musings, writings, children's stories, they can take on a star power to draw us closer to God in that they reveal a light that we want to seek, a light that enlightens our thick darkness. Along that same line, I personally have discovered in the last couple of years that stories of Christ-like humility and forgiveness have the power to help me seek to be more humble, merciful, forgiving, and Christ-like. And this is especially true when the stories don't necessarily involve Christ followers. In other words, they're not church stories. But it's true when the love that is demonstrated seems greater than our human capacity or when the hope these stories convey can only come from God. The stories sometimes are hard to find in our common modern-day media, but I assure you they are out there. I would even be so bold to say that more often than not, the brightest star powers in our lives should be the things that don't make sense to us rather than those which do. Let me explain. We 
draw closer to God through things that we cannot fashion into a specific paradigm or fit into a particular framework or that answers all of our questions. The things, excuse me, the things that make us seek God. I mean, honestly, if it's easily explained or reasoned out, then it's quite likely we've just placed God in a box of our own design. Because if we already know where the star leads, then there would be no reason to follow it. The story of the Magi is a story of unanswered questions, uncharacteristic characters, uncommon courage, and a willingness to step forward into the unknown without a plan, without all the answers, and without all the understanding. In other words, it's a story of faith. The faith of those Eastern scholars who were not even of the faith of the Jews. It is also a story of God at work in unexpected ways. But really, how foolish are we to even try to define what is expected or unexpected of God, who throughout all of Scripture has defied expectations and limitations. This is a story of a light in the sky that leads to the light of the world. It is, too, our story, individually and as a community of believers. This year, 2023, I'm finally getting there, the Tab family enters into not just another year of ministry, but our 100th year at this location. And you know what? We can, once again, count on God to faithfully place proverbial stars before us to bring us into the light of Christ. But there will also be Plenty of bright, shining things vying for our attention, our resources, and our time. Now, individually, in our own lives, it's up to us to be prayerfully wise about which of these stars we follow. As a congregation, we are blessed and trust that God has called wise leaders, some of whom were ordained and installed in this service this morning, to help us together discern which are worthy of Tab's pursuit. So as we follow the worthy stars, let us be like the wise men willing to go wherever the light leads and confident that in doing so, we will encounter Christ. We will encounter Christ in our own lives, in the community, and in God's world. His light increasing within us our light so that we become the light of Christ to others. Here again, the words of comfort that Isaiah had for Jerusalem, hear them for you. Arise, 
shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The liturgical season of Epiphany lasts for just a few weeks. But friends, following the light that leads us closer to the light of the world is a lifelong journey. So may we be bold in our travel, welcoming all who choose to join us. And may the star powers and only the star powers that lead us to Christ be our guide as the Holy Spirit inspires within us just go you're listening to sunday with tab a production of tabernacle presbyterian church in indianapolis we hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program there are many ways to enjoy today's message again subscribe to the tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org tap on the graphic marked sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indie. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabprez.org. That's T-A-B-P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. Why is there church? Pastor John Gable of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. The word church conjures up many images, but at TAB we believe the church is called to demonstrate the values and practices of the kingdom of God. At TAB we envision a place where people grow strong in faith as they are equipped to serve others, where deep and loving relationships are created, where people work together to strengthen the community, advocate for justice, and promote God's peace and shalom. Oh, we're not there yet. But that is what we desire because we believe that's what God desires for the church, our community, and the world. Come see for yourself or find out more at tabprez.org. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis, invites you to worship Sunday morning at 8 or 10 a.m. If you can't make it in person, tune in to Sunday with Tab, Sunday mornings at 6.30 on WIBC, or find us online at tabprez.org.